We'll go through Hebrews 1 and then we'll also go through Hebrews 2. And this very, very important book which deals with the priesthood of Christ, the better promise, the better priesthood, the better promise, and the perseverance that God calls us to have during times of persecution and affliction and trial as these early Hebrew Christians faced. And this book was written not too long before the entire Jewish religion's central base, the temple, was destroyed. And they were severely persecuted and scattered. These Christians, again, who were the target of Satan, the Jews are because of the seed of Abraham and they are the people through whom Jesus came, our Messiah. But the believers, they're the target of Satan more than just the Jew who is a Jew by physical descent from Abraham. Hebrews chapter 1. One of you can read the, the chapter slowly and clearly, please. Hebrews chapter 1, New King James Version. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in this last day spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed here of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, has, has he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. And again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, Who makes his angels spirits, and his ministers a flame of fire. But to the son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth. 
In the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. And they will all grow old like a garment. Like a cloak, you will fold them up, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not fail. But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand, till I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to ministers for those who will inherit salvation? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. As we look at the scriptures, we see the the meaning of the various things that the Holy Spirit has recorded right here in chapter 1. We saw the very first thing that usually is not highlighted at least from what I've read in many, many commentaries or outlines, usually talks about the superiority of the Son of God to the angels and then the better covenant and the perseverance. My summary of the book of Hebrews personally has three words, priesthood, promise, and perseverance. Promise stands for covenant. In a nutshell, it's priesthood, the better superior priesthood of Christ, the better new promise or covenant, which is superior also compared to the law and what was given at Sinai. The Lord said in Ezekiel, I'm going to sprinkle them with clean water. I'm going to give a clean heart. I'm going to give them a new promise. Jeremiah said the eternal promise. I'll write my law in their hearts. There's a complete difference. There's the atonement of the blood of Jesus, which was offered on that Friday, the day of preparation. Therefore, the Passover week, but during the Passover, before the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And God, He causes us to understand also that we have a perseverance that is sealed. Superior priesthood of Christ, what does that mean for us today? Again, we're not Jews in the technical sense of physical lineage from Abraham, but what does it mean? Have we ever had priests? Did you ever have a priest? Maybe some Christian traditions or Catholics, they can say that. Episcopalian maybe, or Orthodox, Greek Orthodox. But generally, the evangelical community, born-again Christians, we don't see any human being as a priest because the priesthood was done away with. Yes, there were priests from Aaron, the first high priest, as a mediator, an intercessor between God and man. He had to go, along with the class of priests from the tribe of Levi, a whole bunch of them, and the Levites to teach the people, but also to bring their request for what? Cleansing or purging. That was the only way. No Jew can go on a hill somewhere and say, give me the Torah. I'm going to read and cleanse myself. No, God said, this is the way you come, through the priest. What priest? God says, the ones that I have chosen from a specific tribe out of the 12 tribes, the tribe of Levi. Hence the term Levitical priesthood. 
No one else, no one can from the tribe of Dan or Naphtali or Gad or Asher or even Judah from which tribe the Lord came. No one can claim to be a priest. In the time of rank idolatry, the tribe of Dan found out an idolatrous priest and they made him their priest. They did whatever they felt like. No, God has a very specific prescribed way He's a holy God and what he says goes because he knows what it'll take, what it will take to cleanse us, to approach him. So for about 1500 years, 15 centuries, from the time of Aaron, roughly the mid-1450s or 40s before Christ, they had priests. You had to go through the priest. When Jesus came and died on the cross, he completely abolished the 1,500 years of priesthood in one shot when he died on the cross. Because now he became the priest. What better priest can anyone desire than the Son of God? Who has better access to God than the Son of God himself? It's God himself saying, I myself will come and mediate for you. How glorious that is and marvelous. So, once the priesthood was done away with on the cross, Jesus became the high priest. He says, all my children are priesthood of believers, a royal priesthood, a kingdom of priests, kings and priests. What does that mean? Does it mean that I can intercede for myself before God? It means I can go directly to the high priest. We are not called high priests. Notice, God didn't say, all of you are a kingdom of high priests. No, there's one high priest. Just like in Israel's history. Many priests, but one high priest, he alone can go on the Day of Atonement. On that dreadful day trembling to see if it would be successful. God would accept it. Atoning for the nation's sins, the entire nation. God has made all of us priests who are born again by the blood of Jesus with his one high priest. So as priests, we can go to the high priest directly to God having that veil of separation between the Holy of Holies and the Holy Place the Holy Place and the Most Holy Place torn down who did it? God did it so we can go and obtain grace anytime but we have a reverence which is lost these days in most Christian circles we understand why God gave the Old Testament. Still, why do believers have to read the Old Testament? To understand the holiness of God, we need both the Old Testament and the New Testament so that we can understand what kind of holiness He calls us to and what we can enjoy. And as much as we heard in the prayers, the freedom we're enjoying now. And often we cite the example of a child who grows up spoiled, essentially. Has everything that he or she wants. 
an abundance unthinkable for the parents' generation or the grandparents. And they or their generation would have had to work hard and leisure time meant to go out and play a little ball maybe or run around and they're happy majority of the time working hard to support the family or studying, doing the chores and helping each other. Not sitting in some corner playing video games, growing up into a selfish creature more and more. Or thinking I want this magazine and I want that and this if a heathen president could say to the country, this country, that's not what your country can do for you, but I'll tell you a better way. You know what the right way is? And this is a person who didn't know God, which is very clear from the lifestyle that's been chronicled, but had some good intentions and some good speeches and some moral directives in the speech, and one of them was, what is universally accepted by most leaders, the nation and the people they rule should ask, what can we do to better the nation? How much more the believer? How much more in the home? We ought to enforce that. We need to do it with love. We need to do it by example. But we come to God with an awareness that freedom is not meant to be abused but to be cherished and to be used correctly. We understand all of the preparation and the things they had to do, a Jew had to do. Every day they couldn't escape. Neither would they have wanted to escape because this is the way to God. Animal sacrifice, priests there, priests here, high priest once a year, everything, the festivals, everything specifically given by Almighty God. They had a tight relationship with God if they just followed through in the prescribed ways for people to approach God. If I don't know the Old Testament, if I don't read about the Levitical priesthood, if I don't understand what the average Israelite went through and had to go through to make sure they were safe spiritually and physically, in their families and they're going out and coming in prosperous in their jobs and everything they do in their physical health if I don't understand all that was involved how careful they had to be the book of Hebrews would be not so important to me I won't even understand this God has given us the word of God and I thank God God has woken me up at some point in my Christian life to show me you have to read the whole book. The whole book is for you, not for the Jew, the Old Testament, and the Christian, the New Testament. Because I can appreciate better and understand more fully what God has given me in the book of Hebrews and under the New Covenant when I understand from what He's delivered me from. How can I enjoy freedom if I never understood that I was in slavery once? The person who forgets where he or she came from will become very proud very quickly and begin to oppress others. But we remember from where God took us. All of us. Slaves to who? The dragon, Satan. All of us, every one of us were slaves to the dragon. 
God came and smashed the dragon's shackles off of us. Hallelujah. We're living in freedom because of Jesus' blood. There was shed for us on Calvary. Superior priesthood, we need to know what the old priesthood was like in order to understand why the superior. Would you ever believe a salesman if he says this vacuum cleaner is superior to all the other ones? If you don't know what the other ones were like, it doesn't have any meaning. But if I know the other ones were, they weighed like a ton and to drag it around and it hurt my back carrying it up one step, two steps, and the noise was like a sonic boom, an airplane. And the dust was just blowing everywhere. I had, didn't have a proper filtration system. And now, if I understand what I was under, what kind of trouble, I can appreciate this one is so much quieter. This one really keeps the dust in. This one is so light, like a feather, and it's uh, quieter, lighter, cleaner. I can appreciate it. But God has instituted things very specifically. There was a pathway. It was not just to show that, look, I'm giving you something better. Remember how hard it was before? No, the Bible says also that the law was given as a tutor, a tutor. The school is to bring us to Christ, who is the end of the law. He is a fulfillment. So we have a description of a priesthood that's better, a promise that is better, and a perseverance that is sure, sealed. But before that, the comparison is with angels. Because it's written in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, that God sent his angel. And you find in some versions that angels capitalized with a big A. Capital A. To show that it referred to Christ who led them, who gave them drink. This divinity of Christ is compared with the created nature of angels. Angels ministered to the children of Israel also. Not only the angel that led them. The angels ministered. It's written in a certain part that the law was given by the angels. They brought the manna, they brought the law, they brought protection and help under the divine messenger, the Lord Jesus Christ. But if the word from angels that was refused cause the people who refuse the word from angels great trouble punishment how much more now if the son of God has come personally and spoken to us the Lord Jesus spoke everything mankind has ever needed to know 
in that short period of time that he preached on the face of the earth. Everything was a culmination of the law and the prophets, what he spoke. He explained the meaning of it. Imagine being in that school for a few years, being taught by who? Who's the professor? God, hallelujah. God, he's revealing everything. Now what excuse do I have? That's what he's saying here. The one who's speaking to you now is not the prophets. It's not even angels. This is God, the Son. Let me show you that he's divine. He's not just an angel. And through him, the Father has spoken. Through the Son. So there's a sobering effect that's intended as we begin to read the book of Hebrews that I have got to pay strict attention to everything God is speaking, especially as he's explaining what Jesus did, how much I need to value it and abide by his every single word. There's no option if I want to live. This is how much effort and to what length God has taken to bring me his word. Not through the prophets only, but through his son. Because of the comparison given in Hebrews 1 of angels, yesterday we highlighted the divinity of Jesus Christ. So this is the creator. He's the one who made the worlds or the ages. He created time. Who's speaking to us? The one who created time, matter, space, the heavens, everything. They say the stars are held together in groups by something called a nebulae, nebula. This extraterrestrial space dust and things there, discovering the physicists, the refraction of the light on the particles and not only the macro universe, but the subatomic particles and the micro universe and so many things. It's beyond it. David said, Lord, I don't concern myself with things too high for me. I'm just like a weaned child, Lord. All I know is, my God, he's the greatest. There's no one like him. He's all-powerful, omnipotent, all-knowing, omniscient. All-present, omnipresent, and all-love and good, omnibenevolent. That's enough for me to know. And he's told me about this Levitical priesthood. Uh, Jesus is not from the tribe of Levi, as we'll read. How is that? He's from the tribe of Judah, of which no priest came. What did God do? He was signifying, as we'll read later, I'm giving something brand new. I have specifically chosen to bring my son who will become the high priest of all humanity for eternity from another tribe, not the priesthood tribe of Levi through which the human priests came. Hence, a new priesthood, new covenant, superior promises, guaranteed perseverance of the believers who trust in this perfect, perfect, perfect High priest. What a salvation we have. It is so secure. So perfect. We will always win. Always come out on top. 
always be victorious. Because why? Jesus is the perfect high priest. That means that every need that we have, unlike the human priests, he can perfectly bring to the Father and get a perfect answer and remedy and deliver it to us every single time. He's the perfect high priest. They used to be trembling outside, as we see in the case of Zechariah. What's going on in there? Behind the veil in the Holy of Holies. He's going to come out. Is everything okay? Hope he didn't get struck down. God's presence and power because he did something wrong. Maybe there's something in him. God said, I'm not taking his, taking his intercession. But this high priest never ever have to have even one iota of a doubt that when he goes and speaks to the Father anything will go wrong because everything will be all right. Why? Because this high priest is the beloved Son of God. The Father loves him so much. He loves the Father so much and you know from when? From eternity past all the way to eternity future. Esther found favor in the sight of King Ahasuerus. He stretched out the scepter. She was able to make effective intercession for her people. But she would have surely trembled while she prayed, like Nehemiah when he prayed to the King Cyrus. Or he prayed to God as he approached King Cyrus. There's a trembling. But not with our perfect high priest going to the Father interceding for us. God has prepared through centuries, carefully building and constructing the priesthood that was acceptable at a certain time. To prepare the people for a better priest one day. The Jews who believed the word of God, they knew one day one day the Messiah is going to come. But they, don't, they didn't understand as we do today, having everything written. That we have the better priesthood right now. We have the better priesthood right now. We're the people who are tasting and enjoying every good benefit from the hand of Almighty God when the people before us they weren't able to enjoy it by the way the king is not King Cyrus who was Xerxes, to whom Nehemiah went but they had this trembling when they approached the person who can do something about the problem the believer can come boldly to the throne of grace knowing that we have a high priest it's not something we realize automatically. We have to be taught. And even after Christians are taught, 
I know for myself growing up, I never had a clue. And even after hearing about it, didn't think much of it. I didn't know how it related to me. All I heard was there's a better priesthood. What does that mean for me? I know that when my Lord Jesus makes intercession for me to the Father, it's a perfect intercession. There's confidence, faith. Not only am I called to pray, but Jesus is praying for me. Hallelujah. And God will make sure everything works out. Everything will be fine. Glory be to God. What a confidence we have in the Savior. So the superiority of the nature of this person who speaks to us in these last days is compared to the angels. But the main theme of Hebrews is the priesthood for which many chapters are dedicated, which means a better promise and a guaranteed perseverance. It's guaranteed. Eternal security is something that we never have to doubt and worry about. Never. God guarantees the perseverance of all saints. Hear this out fully. He guarantees salvation. Absolute guarantee. He said, you pass from death to life. You can never lose life. Hear this out fully now. You can never lose the heavenly Canaan. I mean to give you everything and I mean everything in my kingdom. To who? To me and to you, to all the people of God. It's an absolute promise with an absolute condition. Never ever does any believer ever have to walk on eggshells wondering, am I saved? Am I not saved? Will God keep His word? Am I going to make it to heaven with all the things that are happening, all the things I'm facing? Am I going to make it? Am I going to make it? Am I going to make it? Jesus went in to plead to the Father on my behalf and my family. Is He going to come back with a positive answer? We never, ever have to worry about that. Provided, simply believe. The word believe all through the Bible, when we study the word belief, study the word faith, it always encompasses obedience. Therefore, when the word believe is given, as a condition, it means believe, obey. Believe, trust and obey. There's no separation. No one who trusts in the living God properly, which means they obey the Lord, ever has to worry about whether they're going to lose salvation. Never. Do they have to be careful that there is a pit there that the enemy would like me to fall into? And I'm going to be careful and avoid it. That's all. I go on my way merrily to the celestial city. So the comparison to angels is to bring out the divinity of this person who's speaking to us superior to the prophets. That's also mentioned here as a minor revelation. Because if he mentions through all this time at various points in history, God spoke in various ways through the prophets. Now he's spoken to us by his son. He's clearly saying my son is superior to all the prophets. 
Jesus is superior to every single prophet that ever came. Jesus is superior to every single angel that was ever created. Jesus is superior to every single priest that ever was. Because he's superior, conveying the word of God as the prophet of God, the ultimate prophet, because he is by nature God himself, superior to every angel that are so powerful, they actually come directly from the presence of God. How awesome they must be. But Jesus is God. He's more awesome than any angel. Because he is the one who mediated for us with not the blood of animals, but his own holy sinless blood. He's able to make a perfect intercession for us every time. Jesus is praying for all his children all the time. Oh, hallelujah. What a guarantee we have. What a confidence. Right now, Jesus is praying. I may be praying. But more than that, he's praying. He's interceding. What is prayer? It's an intercession. I can pray for myself. I can pray for others. It is coming to the person in power who can make a difference. I pray you, let me do this. So the old English goes. I'm coming to you and asking you for either permission or allow this. I'm coming to you to exercise your authority. Your right to do something. For me or someone else. It's an approach to someone else for something. We're coming and praying to God for ourselves and other people. Jesus Christ is ever interceding for us. This salvation that Jesus has given is brought. Yeshua, Joshua in the Old Testament could not bring it. He brought the people into the promised land. He couldn't guarantee rest. Jesus guarantees rest. Hallelujah. In the midst of turmoil, pain, the Holy Spirit can tell the Hebrew Christians, don't give up, don't give up, don't give up. There's something far greater coming to you. Hold fast. Don't give up. Don't throw it away. I have a whole kingdom waiting for you. You can see it with eyes of faith. Continue by faith. One other thing to highlight here, very important, is that it's by inheritance that Jesus was exalted. Someone says, well, he's already exalted. Wasn't he God before he ever came to earth? Yes. Well, was he exalted then? Yes. But because he became a human being, because he became an intermediary, because he had to die for us on the cross because he went through so many things. God had designed that he had to overcome every temptation of the devil, be absolutely faultless. That lamb, that Paschal lamb, the Passover lamb, had to be without blemish, had to be a male first of all, without blemish, no bones broken. 
perfect. And they had to inspect it over the course of a few days to make certain you better be careful what you're offering to God. Imagine the gravity with which they approach God. Do you know what? That hasn't changed. If anything, that gravity should increase when we come to give our tithes and offerings, whether in church or from home or wherever, whether it's the physical tithes and offerings or our praises, offering of sacrifices to God. It ought to be done with the utmost reverence. Have you ever heard that preached in any church? Or any radio program by any preacher? Perhaps. I've heard it by minorities of preachers. And usually it's having to go through centuries looking in books of really holy men who wrote. But I've heard it also in our generation. Very few. Most of it is we can go to God. God loves us. Jesus has done everything for us. And here, throw your offering into the plate. Come, come, come. Quick, quick, quick. We're going to praise God now. Put the music on. Get sentimental, emotional, charged up. Do we even understand what it means to approach the living God? There's that beautiful balance of reverence and freedom, of deep humility and fear of God, and the open access that we enjoy to go to Daddy. Hallelujah. Only the Spirit of God can give the full revelation and impact our hearts so that when we offer our praises, our prayers, whatever we give to God, it's done with tremendous reverence. Tremendous reverence. It's because of the lack of reverence, many people's praises and offerings are refused by God, like he told Cain. They have no clue. They just continue. They have no understanding that God didn't accept it. God very specifically said in Genesis to Cain, you didn't do right. You did not do right by me. At the outset, we see one brother bring an offering from where he labored. He didn't have currency. It's what he had. I worked hard for this. Bringing of the crops and another brother. I'm a shepherd. I'm bringing what I'm bringing. But there was a difference. There are commentators over the years and people have spread this the reason God didn't accept Cain's sacrifice was because it was from the ground. God was looking for blood. No. Although what Abel did foreshadowed what the priests were going to do and what Jesus would do, that was not the reason. Nor was it because he was just uh, jealous or whatever. No, that came afterwards. The Lord said, you didn't do right. We find it right there in the text, in the Bible. Abel brought the best. Cain didn't. He said, I have to give an offering to God. I know instinctively I've got to give him an offering. I mean, I know he gave me everything. He's the second generation human being, human being on the face of the earth. He knew where his father came from. God created my dad out of the dust of the ground. God created all the birds, all the fish, all the crops, the vegetation, everything. I know I've got to acknowledge him. I can't escape that. So here's an offering, God. 
I hope it's enough for you. I hope you're happy. Wrong attitude. Abel came reverently. He brought the first, the best, the fat, which signifies the best portion. He brought his very best. Cain did not. That was a problem. He didn't reverence God and value God enough. He thought God was cheap. I can give anything I want and come any way I want. That's how most believers sad to say, why do I say most? How can I dare say most? Look at the condition of the neighborhoods where the churches are. The cities and the countries. Is the church salt and light? Or is it being overrun with rampant immorality? Even to the point of the leaders who are touching the offerings and pronouncing blessings, teaching the people and running, administrating the church and the affairs of the church. Corrupt people. The majority are. Just like God prophesied before he comes. So he says you be very careful. Be very careful because like the flood in Noah's day, everything's going to be wiped out. Everything. But the ones who are sincere, reverent, holy people who really value me, honor me for who I am. And how is that reflected? By the type of prayers we pray. The attitude, the reverence, how we praise Him, how we read our Bibles, how we give our tithes and offerings, how we use the energy God has given, the ability to help people. Do we withhold? Do we care about the poor and the underprivileged, our neighbors? Someone can say, I do all of that, like the rich young ruler. It may or may not be true. But even if someone would say, I go through all those motions, it may be just motions. I can cover the base. I, I did this. I did that. I did the other thing. With what attitude? In the book of Hebrews, God deals with attitudes also. Namely, how reverently we approach the living God. He's the living God. It goes to the length of saying, be careful, our God is a consuming fire. Yes, he's all love. He's our daddy. Spirit of adoption in the book of Romans, crying, Abba, Father. There are people who can quote the verses and it just comes out glibly. No concept that this is almighty God. I cannot afford to play with him. He's fire. He's my daddy, but I must remember he's God. Oh, I pray. My heart just longs if through this country up and down somebody would go and preach say fear God fear God fear him you know the proof is so easy everybody can test whether you really fear God or not are you doing what he says are you doing opposite that's all do the right thing God will heal this nation hallelujah the book of Hebrews conveys the majesty of God the power of God. It says, He upholds all things by the word of His power. He is the express image of His person, the brightness of His glory. Having become, notice the word become, I thought He was. How did He become if He already was? So much better than the angels because He became a man. He did not forfeit His divine attributes or His divine nature. 
But he did lay aside his divine prerogatives. He didn't exercise all that power. He did leave glory. Came down and you know what? The Son of God had to prove himself by passing the test to obtain the inheritance. Isn't that mind-boggling? The Father made it so the Son as the God-man had to prove himself before he inherited a name that is above every other name. So he already had the eternal name. Not the name Jesus, but the eternal name, God. Because he stepped down and he became a man for us. The example through suffering, through death, through temptation. In order for him to obtain the inheritance and the title, he had to do what? Become. He had to go through the test and pass it. What does that say for you and for me? We also have to pass the test. We're not home free, so to speak, because we're born again today. Now, this is not contradictory at all. It may sound paradoxical, but it's not. My salvation is 100% secure right now and forever, provided I pass the test. What test? Of obedience, that's all. Is it hard to obey God? Never. God would never give us something that is hard to do in the sense of impossibility, I should say. It'll take everything we've got. Times will be difficult, but to obey God, to please Him, He gives the grace. He gives the Holy Spirit. The blood of Jesus is there for us to cover us and to help us. He sprinkles the blood on our conscience, consciences, to be able to freely do what he says, to have nothing hanging over our shoulder condemning us. We've been set free. I can obey God. I can love people. I can forgive. I may make mistakes. I may even sin against God, but I recover and I vow with a vengeance. I'm not doing that again. God has been so gracious to me. Oh, God, I repent. And there's a lifestyle of what? Not continual repentance for the same things as we'll see in Hebrews 6. Going back again and again. Now I got a dead work today, dead work tomorrow, dead work next week. Got to repent for the dead works over and over and over. No. There's a growth to the point there's a maturity. No more dead works. Hallelujah. That's the new and living way, a better covenant. God said, I will give you everything you need to walk uprightly without falling hallelujah doesn't it thrill your heart that this is what God has called us to this is what he's provided a better priesthood a better promise guaranteed perseverance so we see by nature he's more excellent than the angels and the prophets and the priests hallelujah my divine appointment And also by his attitude and actions, faithfully keeping the Father's commandment, 
has obtained the inheritance and the superior title for all eternity. Exalted above all the angels, above all principality and power, given a name above every other name, he became the supreme high priest forever and ever. For us. By what? Obedience. We'll see that played out more as we proceed in the book of Hebrews. I trust that we understand more about the riches of God's grace to us through Jesus Christ, through all the intricate complexities of the priesthood that were instituted by God. All we have to do is today, understanding from where we've been delivered, we're not under the law, thank God. Never have to walk on eggshells, thank God. Firm-footed, sure foundation. My God has set up the Lord Jesus Christ, His own Son. Imagine having the judge's son to be your advocate in the courtroom. Not just any son, but the son He loves dearly. Imagine that. Not only that, that particular son loves you and me dearly. There I am in the courtroom knowing I violated the law, ready to receive the sentence. But a lawyer walks in and Judge uh, Rickenbacker sees that the lawyer for the day happens to be Rickenbacker Jr. Puts his glasses down and he's a bit startled, but he smiles. The son smiles back and the judge looks at the accused and the frown comes back on his face, ready to meet out the sentence. Justice has to be served, you know. But then he sees his son, who he loves so much, the lawyer, the advocate. For the accused, and he sees him smiling at the accused. The judge can't help but smile at the accused too. And then the entire sentence is overturned. The analogy fails at this point, and that is when the punishment is execution, removal of the individual from the face of the earth so they don't cause any more problems. The beloved son says, Daddy, Your Honor, I'll go to the execution. Set him free. The judge doesn't get upset or think about God. It was his plan all the while. Heart of love from the Father, from the Son, from the Spirit. This is what you and I have. Can you afford to be quiet and not praise him? All the time? Everywhere? I shudder to think that I, I should ever go back to the way I used to be. Afraid of how I sound. Who's going to hear me? What am I going to say? And the devil's saying, you're going to sound silly. Your voice is not even good. Look at your voice quality. And they can talk better. Who cares who talks how? He died for me outside of the camp as a criminal, brutally murdered. Am I going to keep quiet? 
even to praise Him and thank Him, I should be willing to do it all the time. He's my Lord and Savior. I pray that everyone would catch the import of that attitude and say, Lord, never again will I keep my mouth shut. But I will glorify you everywhere, all the time. Especially where? In the midst of the family of God. May the Lord speak to you. Forget about me. What the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, take it and go with it. He's a superior prophet. Usually you don't see this. I haven't seen it in any outline anywhere for Hebrews. But we see that revealed right there in the opening verses. Jesus is the superior prophet. He's superior to angels. In one sense, he's the superior angel. When we look at the definition of the word angel, it's a messenger. He's the superior messenger. Superior prophet. Superior to angels, superior priest, brought a superior covenant, gives us a perseverance that is sealed, guaranteed for those who do what? Follow his footsteps. Enjoy the benefits of salvation. It'll be difficult. We go through trials. It's painful. Many times for the Christian. Many times. Not a few times. Many times if one is really a disciple of Jesus. But the same Lord who says you must enter heaven through much tribulation. So be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. You're going to make it. You're going to fly with me. You're going to pass the test. Every test with flying colors. Because of all that I've done. Thank God for the knowledge of God. For the truth of God. For the spirit of God. To not only challenge us but motivate us. Give us the grace to be different. Every day you and I ought to be crying out to God, Lord, make me different. Different from what? From yesterday. How? Being more obedient to God. Every word God speaks. Otherwise, we will backslide. There's no static point in any believer's life. If you're not going forward, if I'm not going forward, I know I'm going backward. We have to say, Lord, you've given me so much, I'm going forward. I'm going to open my mouth, praise you, pray to you, dance for you. Everything for my Jesus. I don't care who's looking. Look at David. He had all of Israel, including his not-too-thrilled wife, looking through the window there. Daughter of Saul, no less. Not surprisingly. Despising him, he said, listen, I dance before my God, okay? You can't stop me. Nobody can stop me. Hallelujah. May the people of God be bold to thank God by obedience to everything he's told us to do. Shall we pray? Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I will praise you, Lord. I will praise you. I will give you praise. You are honorable, Lord. Worthy of honor and praise all the time, Lord. We thank you, Heavenly Father. We thank you, Heavenly Father. We thank you, Heavenly Father. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus, for being our help, our shield, our everything. Oh, Lord, I will praise your name, Lord. You delivered me personally from death, Lord, so many times. My God, my God, you have not forsaken me. Jesus, 
went through that so I can be free. Thank you, Lord. You promise you'll never leave me nor forsake me. Through my darkest hour, I will praise. I will sing praise, praise to your name. Through my fiery trials, I will praise. I will sing praise, praise to your name. Thank you, Jesus. Though an army would rise against me, the red army of the red dragon, I will still sing praise. But I know, Lord, I can't sing praise at that time if I don't praise you now. And thank you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. Help me to praise you all the more, day by day, with all the children of God here, Lord. We thank you, Father. We praise you. We thank you, Lord, for healing us. To continue to heal, Lord. Perfect your healing, Lord. Almighty God, through your power, the resurrection life enters into her, Lord, and you're working. Thank you, my God. Every brother, every sister, my God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for healing me, Lord. Healing our brothers and sisters, Lord. Whoever is going through, particularly today, Lord, severe affliction, heal them, Lord. And those with milder afflictions, those with long-term condition, my God, you're able to do it all. My God, I pray for your healing touch on everyone, Lord. That we may go and testify what God did for us more and more. That others may see the God we call upon is the living God. And come to you with their problems, Lord. And attach themselves to you forever. By receiving your salvation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your truth. That is so precious, so clear, Lord, when we have a heart to obey. Listen and obey. I thank you for taking us deeper, Lord. Into what salvation we really have. How great and priceless. How we ought to tremble with joy. And what you've done for us. Awesome God. Awesome God. Awesome God. And help us to encourage one another, Lord, to obey. As we see the day approaching. Absolute obedience is what you require. Help us to have that, Lord. To absolutely please you. To be absolutely prepared and ready to meet you. To be with you forever. In absolute bliss. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.